Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to a midweek bonus Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. This is not necessarily brand new. If you are an Arsblog member on Patreon, you will have heard this interview before, but that's the benefit to you of being an Arsblog member. You get to hear these things first before anybody else, much like the interview with Liam Brady that was just published yesterday. So if you want to hear that Liam Brady interview talking about his life and times as an Arsenal player in management, as head of the Arsenal Youth Academy, all you got to do is sign up to be an Arsblog member on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. It costs a fiver a month. That's all, just a fiver, and you get access to all the extra content that we put up there and you get first access to episodes like this which we do put on general release but if you are an Arsbug member on Patreon you get to hear them first weeks and weeks before anybody else so uh, you know get on board become one of the cool kids and sign up today at patreon.com forward slash arsblog now if you are a regular listener a regular reader of the site you'll know that Philippe Senderos uh, was always one of my favorite players he arrived at 18 years of age from Servette in Switzerland, having been wooed by many other clubs around Europe. But at that point, Arsene Wenger and Arsenal was where he wanted to be. His career began very brightly, but as can happen, things don't go always according to plan. And he went to AC Milan on loan. He's played for Fulham, for Aston Villa, for Rangers in Scotland. He's played for AC Milan and Valencia. And at the moment, he's with uh, Houston Dynamo in MLS and actually is in a, a rich vein of goal-scoring form this month. Month, uh, he scored against Los Angeles FC and scored twice against Minnesota United in a 3-0 win for Houston. Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, Philippe was very kind to give me an hour or so of his time to chat over Skype about his career, about joining Arsenal, about how things went for him here, how it started one way and ended a different way, but those are the vagaries of football. He's very upfront and very honest about his time at Arsenal, but you can tell from the conversation that he still holds the club in great affection, in great regard. He is a supporter, and I'm sure this is a conversation that you are going to enjoy. So, without further ado, this is me and Philippe Senderos. Okay, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast somebody who uh, I was a, a big fan of when he arrived at Arsenal, and uh, sometimes you get a player who remains kind of close to your heart, one of your favorite players, and this guy is one of those. Philippe Senderos, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, uh, uh, you started your career uh, at Servette in Switzerland. 
you were what 16 or 17 when you made your debut there yeah yeah i was 16 um i started when i was five uh, in the youth teams and then went mm. all the way up to to the first team and uh lucien favre who is now coach of uh, dortmund gave me my uh my big chance and i and i played at uh, at 16 yeah. It is, uh, you know, it's a young age. Obviously, a good friend of yours did something similar at Arsenal, Sesk, when he came in and made his debut at, at 16. What is that like when you're you're that age? Obviously, you're confident and you want to play. But at 16, you're also aware that, you know, there are guys in the team who are much more senior than you are. Did you always feel confident that you could come into the team at that age and perform to the level that was required? I think at, at 16, you're you're fearless you, you don't really think about what can happen what shouldn't happen what should happen and and you just go out there and, and play the game and you don't really think too much and i think that's the strength that a, a young player has and then um i had a very good coach who who gave me the confidence to express myself on the pitch and just play my game and i think uh, that was a a very good chance that i had and and a great opportunity to to build up from. And obviously, when you make a breakthrough at that age, it attracts the attention of scouts from across Europe. And Arsenal must have seen you you do that and, and became interested in you. At what point were you aware that Arsenal as a club were interested in you or were scouting you? I think it was 17. Uh, we played with the um, under-17 uh, Swiss national team. We went to the Euros in Denmark and... Uh, I was captain of my national team and we won the, the European Championships, with, which for Switzerland is a historical moment because we never won anything at youth levels or even international level. So it was a, a great achievement for us and a lot of the players got the attention from, uh, from big clubs um, abroad and, and one of them for me was Arsenal. Who else was involved or interested in you at that time? Because I did read that Real Madrid were one of the clubs that might have been after you. Yeah, I mean, at 17, you know, a young guy, I, I wasn't really involved in, in these things. For me, it was going a bit too quick. I was just focusing on my studies and, and playing. And my parents were, were dealing with all these things. So they were invited to, to Madrid. Uh, they were invited to... We were invited to... Uh, to Munich, um, Bayern Munich were interested as well. But I, like I say, I was 16, 17. I wasn't really involved too much in these things. Uh, for me, the names didn't really mean much because I, I couldn't realize that it was the actual team who was interested in, in me. Mm. And um, and then I, I came to uh, to Arsenal and I watched the game and I fell in love with the place and uh, I got the chance to, to meet um, Arsene and Arsene just... Um, explained uh, how we saw football and I mean we connected and that's you know that the, the rest is history I guess but yeah, um, yeah. you know for me it was a straightforward that's where I wanted to come and 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 I came to Arsenal. So I mean was that a big part of why of what attracted you not simply Arsenal you go and you see the stadium and it's amazing and at that stage Arsenal as a team were were amazing as well but the philosophy of Arsene Wenger I mean was he obviously you, you when you're that age he's not going to tell you I you're definitely going to get uh, uh first team games but does he open the door for you in a way to say, look, if you work hard, if if you play well, if you train hard, there is an opportunity here for young players at Arsenal? Yeah, of course. He's not going to tell you you're going to walk straight into yeah. the first team dressing room and, 
and you're gonna play uh, straight away. Now that's for sure. But uh, you see uh, the philosophy. You see the that that's what they want to do: bring uh, younger players. And when they're ready and when the time is right, uh, you will get your chance. And I think once you get that opening, that that chance, you have a, a you know you know you have a chance. So you work you work towards it. And I think all the young players who who come through the ranks at Arsenal. Are, who, who join Arsenal at a young age, they know, uh, they've seen it happen before, uh, they will get a chance. So once you know that, you work even harder to to get that chance. Was What was it like leaving home then? At, uh, you know, 2003, you were, what, 18 years of age, um, yeah. moving to a new country. I, I think your language skills have always been particularly good, so that wasn't necessarily a big issue, having to come in and and learn a new language but you still have to leave home at 18 years of age yeah. and go to a different country what's that like and how did the club help you settle in in a way because it, it is a big move even if we talk about established players you know coming from Spain or France or Italy we talk about them needing a period to adjust or to settle into a new country and a new style of football it's also true when you're 18 when you've got to start building an entirely new life yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, people are, are different. You know, me at 18, I'd never been out of of my family's um, environment. So it was a, a huge move, you know, to, to come to a different country and start, I don't know, washing my clothes or cooking <laughs> or it, it was a huge move. So I, I decided to, to go into digs. Um, so I lived with a landlady and, and Sesk um, moved in uh, a little bit after yeah and uh, we were living together with this lady and she was helping us um, around the house and she we were living at her house really yeah so she was uh, helping us do uh, everyday thing and and that that helped me settle uh, massively i mean i wouldn't have been able to to just come in and live in a flat by myself it would have been a lot harder so uh, to to have this opportunity you know the club has uh, put everything in place for me to to be well surrounded and and not be left alone, and that was uh, that was great help. And I think uh, for Sesk as well, because uh, Sesk couldn't speak uh, at all, couldn't speak uh, English at all. So it helped him uh, to have me next to him, and and, and you spoke Spanish, be able to right? translate. Yeah, you spoke Spanish. Yes, I, I'm fluent in Spanish because my my parents. Uh, yeah. I grew up bilingual, French and Spanish. Okay, so I mean that must have been a, a huge help for Sesk. You know, to come in a like similar situation when you're coming in at such a young age, you were maybe a couple of years older. Yeah, uh, he was he was even younger, and uh, now it was a for me it was great, and and I think for him as well to for, for at least the first year. So that was a uh, great for us. Yeah. You had some injury problems though when you arrived, if I remember correctly. Yes, uh, for me it was like a, such a big move. I think uh, everything played a played a part, and then. And the first few months, uh, I was out, and I wasn't able to to train uh, with the first team as as much as I would have liked. And uh, and it gave me that time to settle down and and you know to get uh, accustomed to my surroundings. And I think uh, once the year went on, uh, I felt more comfortable, and um, and slowly started training with the team again. And and yeah, and got involved in in. in in, in Arsenal, really. Sure. So what, what, what is it like as an 18-year-old coming to a new country, coming to a big club like Arsenal, who had won the double in 2002, and, 
you know, obviously you know that Arsene Wenger has a certain amount of faith in you and your potential to become a first-team player, but also you're looking around at a dressing room with Thierry Henry and Robert Perez and Patrick Vieira, Saul Campbell, Dennis Bergkamp. Is it intimidating or do you view it as something... I'm going to say not extraordinary, but a real opportunity to learn from hugely talented and experienced players. And and were they, uh, as players, willing to to help your development and your education as as well as the coaches and the manager? Well, I would say first thing, most of these guys were on my walls in my bedroom. You know, <laughs> so it, was it intimidating uh, at first? Yeah, of course. You know, I've dreamed to be in a place like this. Uh, but at the same time, this is what I worked for all my life. My dream was this, to be uh, in the Premier League, play in England, in one of the biggest teams. And, and you know, I was I was actually living what I've dreamed of all my life. So I was in my head prepared for, for that. Yeah. And all I wanted was to, to succeed. So... Uh, um, they were they were great, you know. As soon as you start putting in the work, they see that uh, you want to do well, you want to succeed. Uh, you know, guys guys accept you in the dressing room. Then you have to do the job on the pitch. Yeah. And um, like I said, it took me a little while, and but uh, once I got uh, once I got used to the place, uh, I was able to train with the team and and to show what I, what I was made of and. You know, I wasn't gonna just give up or or stop now because yeah. uh, I went, uh, you know, from Switzerland to arrive to to England. It's not easy, and and I had this chance, so I was gonna work even harder. Does it? I mean, obviously, you're gonna work hard because you have that chance anyway. But is there something about working with those really established players who are winners and who have won things where you go, I really have to get to a a really high level to get into this team because these players are yeah. are so good. Yeah, I had to step my level up uh, massively, definitely. I mean, coming from the uh, Swiss League to the Premier League, especially to in that team at that time, uh, I had to make a lot of improvements yeah. and 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 being there and seeing what what they were doing on a daily basis um, gave me that chance. You know, maybe being injured at the beginning helped me. Uh, settle down but also observe what what these champions were doing you know yeah and and to see uh, to see this on a daily basis um you know helped me and motivated me to to be uh, to do even even more people talk about Arsene Wenger when they talk about him as a coach and they talk about his attacking philosophy and I think we all know that that's where uh, the way he likes to play the game he likes to his teams to be offensive and to to be on the ball and and everything else but you're a, a young defender what was his way of working like for you in order to develop as a player and to, in order to develop as a defender and were there other coaches perhaps uh, were able to take you under their wing a little bit more to focus on that side of your game? Yeah, Boro Primorag was there, uh, Pat Rice was there, and uh, and the great guys, the, the great defenders that uh, that Arsenal backline had. You know, yeah. we talk about the the offensive game at Arsenal, but really what brought the titles and and the championship and the unbeaten year is this steal in the team and uh, and the defense was uh, was tremendous in that year i mean everyone will remember that defense and and uh, and that was the core of of the team so um, you know seeing and seeing the the work they would put in day in day out the communication the the hard work and it 
it was great for me. It's, it's a great uh, place to learn, and um, and the coach is definitely uh, very influential in in the improvement of of that. What what do you remember about your your debut? Uh, it was a game against Manchester City in the Carling Cup, right? Uh, yeah, a very different uh, Manchester City, if very, you may say. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly um, very different from the one we see today, yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, a, a notable A lot game. of the young players yeah. made their debut on that day. That's uh, right. It was very special for, for all of us. And, uh, and yeah, we stuck at it and, and we got a, a win on the road. It was great, great experience for all of us. Um, our first taste of... Uh, of first team football, if I may say, yeah. even if it was the Carling Cup or whatever, but we knew it was going to come in, in one of those competitions. So uh, we were ready and, you know, the, it was a great achievement for, for, for all of us. Well, what's, what's that like when you're told? How, how, how long before the game were you aware that you were going to play? I mean, you knew um, the Carling Cup was a competition where they yeah. might make some changes. So you're kind of aware uh, of it, but uh, until the week before, you don't really know what's what's happening. Um, so yeah, I would say a week before, and then when it happens, you're just super excited. You just can't wait for the game to come, and and then once you're in the game, then it's it's on. You know, yeah. you don't really think anymore. It, just focus on what you can control, and and that's it. Can you remember the team lineup from that night? I can remember that one of my best friends scored a, a yeah. tremendous goal, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and I'm still very close to him uh, to this day, and and that's probably for him the highlight, one of his highlights of, of his career, and and for me as well because it was my debut. So sure. um, we share something uh, very special. Yeah, that's uh, Danny Carbassioun who, uh, who yes. scored the winner that night at Main Road. And, uh, yeah, we got to thank him as well for uh, helping to facilitate this interview. So uh, cheers, Danny. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, <laughs> <laughs> your, your Champions League debut, I mean, there was a, a – because there was um, – at that point, I think there, there was real faith in Arsene Wenger um, when he decided to give young players a chance. And obviously, in later years, perhaps that was a, a little bit different. But there was sort of a – weight of expectation on the young players when they were given uh, a, I won't say a real first team debut because Carling Cup is obviously a first team competition but when mm -hmm. you make that step up to play in the Premier League and when you make that step up to play in the Champions League you know there are more eyes on you there are more people watching you and you did go on to make some Premier League appearances in that in that first year but I remember yeah. very, very distinctly your Champions League debut, which was at home to to Bayern Munich. Uh, yes. A 1-0 win at home to Bayern Munich. Thierry Henry scored the goal. But I remember that night because you were fucking brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you were just amazing that night. I remember sitting there going, oh my God, this is fucking, this is fantastic. Were you aware that night how well you played? Uh, perhaps it boils down to that thing you said earlier about about not having any real fear. This was Bayern Munich. We'd lost the previous leg, unfortunately, away yeah. from home. But but it was a great performance that night from you. Yeah, like like I said before, it was I was fearless and I wasn't thinking. And I remember running all night. I remember chasing all night. And and uh, yeah, that's that's all I remember from that first uh, first Champions League game. But a great great memory again. 
uh, unfortunate that we didn't um, go through. I think that mm. that's what it was. It was a knockout. So, and um, but yeah, great memory. The to play at at Highbury was special, and um, it felt like home for me, and and always felt like home. And I mean, every player will tell you, but it feels like you're playing in your your own garden, back garden, yeah. you know. And it it felt like really felt like home, and and it's a place that uh, I feel very close to because of that, because I felt so comfortable there. It was an amazing stadium, an amazing ground, and there was always um, there was just something special about it. It was sort of soaked into the into the foundations of of that stadium. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're not the first person to have to have used that analogy that Highbury felt like playing in your in your own garden. Um, that season ended with uh, an FA Cup final, um, yes. and you kept Saul Campbell out of the side. He'd been injured, I think, uh, for a little while, and had come back, but he was on the bench that day, and you were given the nod. Uh, to start the game alongside uh, Colo Toure at, at the centre of our defence. Um, we were without a number of players that day, uh, Thierry Henry mm-hmm. in particular. Dennis Bergkamp, I think, started the game on his own, up front. Yeah. Um, perhaps one of the first times we've seen Arsene Wenger adjust his tactics in that way, where he had to be a little more defensive or he had to... He had to try and play the game in a slightly different way against a Manchester United team at that stage, which had you know, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Wayne Rooney. It was it was a backs-to-the-wall kind of a performance from Arsenal. Yeah, I think he always uh, adapted in some way. Um, obviously, Ars- the Arsenal way was always uh, keep the ball to play offensive football, but he, he always kind of adapted to what... what you were playing against maybe not as obvious as that day uh, and that day we really um, stuck at it we defended uh, maybe people will say it was a one-sided <laughs> story because we defended we you know we we were we've, we were very deep and we're trying to to hold to what we were keeping you know and it was a final we, we knew if we can get a chance we will nick something on, on a counter or something and and we stuck at it, and uh, and eventually, you know, we took it all the way to to extra time. We got some chances, and and uh, penalties. We we won, and it was a a great uh, run in the FA Cup. Um, I remember the semi-finals was special as well. We played uh, at Cardiff, and then that final was uh, was fantastic. My family was there in the stands, and it was for me the the most amazing uh, day really there's a fantastic picture I think of uh, the Arsenal players as Patrick Vieira takes the final penalty and everybody's just taking off and you're just first with this like amazing after 120 minutes (laughs) I wouldn't be able to do it nowadays I wouldn't be first but uh, back then I I still had energy so yeah. 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 No. An amazing, an amazing experience. I think to go and win an FA Cup final in that way against a team like Manchester United, of course, who are, uh, who are uh, still an absolutely brilliant team. Um, yeah. The following season, you played a lot of games, and you became part of a defence which I'm not sure if it's still the record to this day, but uh, back then it certainly was a Champions League record where mm-hmm. the. Uh, the back four uh, and the goalkeeper went for, I can't remember how many minutes it is without conceding a goal. Uh, 
it was, I suppose, in some ways considered a little bit makeshift because Emmanuel Abue had come in at right back. Uh, Matthew Flamini was playing at left back. It was and amazing. I was playing at centre back. <laughs> yeah, you were playing at centre back. Of course, yourself and Colo were there. But yeah. um, you know, it was an amazing thing to 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 watch that team and watch that back four in particular go on this run all the way to the final, of course. I mean, I was uh, there in the Bernabeu watching you, uh, watching Arsenal beat Real Madrid 1-0. Again, I'd say a fantastic experience to play in a stadium like that against a team like that. Again, the the, the height of the Galacticos with Ronaldo and with Beckham, etc., etc. That was an amazing night as well. Yeah, I mean, that run was, was special. It was an amazing year for me, maybe one of the best that I've, that I've had um, consistency-wise. Uh, and um, and an amazing year for Arsenal Football Club. Uh, that night, what I remember about this night is that I've been with my dad. He's been a, a Real Madrid fan all his life. <laughs> I've watched Real Madrid since I'm uh, a young kid. I've been to the Bernabeu. Uh, they used to come pre-season to Switzerland, so I used to see them every single year, uh, the Real Madrid team. And I've been Real Madrid uh, all all my life, you know. Yeah. So uh, what I remember about that day is being the most nervous I've ever been all my life and throwing up on the pitch before the game and oh really and uh, I I couldn't hold my nerves like I was I was uh, I was so nervous I, I couldn't I, I didn't know what I was doing and uh, and once the the whistle uh, blew uh, it was on you know the game was started and. I forgot all about where I was, what I was doing, and I was just focusing on on my game. But before the game, uh, just a bag of nerves, if I may say. Yeah, I, I, how is that something that develops over the the course of your career when you become established a bit, when you've developed a bit as a player? You know, you go from having no fear to perhaps understanding the consequences of everything that you do on the pitch and whether it's positive or negative, you know, everything that you do can have an impact on the team. And, and there is, of course, uh, a measure of expectation. Once you start performing to a certain level, you have to maintain that level. Oh, it depends. Uh, I've always been a nervous uh, person, so I need a bit of nerves to right. uh, be able to compete. So everyone is, uh, is very different. Uh, by fear, I mean... Um, yeah, you start being more conscious uh, later uh, of what you're doing, but the the stress level is always there. I mean, I need the stress to be yeah. able to perform, and you have then it's managing that stress to the point of it affects your performance, or um, you you can manage that stress to help you uh, uh, run faster, play better. Yeah, you know, you I always make the analogy in my head. You have a lion running behind you <laughs> and yet you need a bit of stress to be able to run faster yeah. you know but too much stress and you you freeze and you're not going to do anything so you need you need to know there is something behind you so you run faster so on the pitch is the same yeah, you just you have to manage um, that amount of stress to be able to perform at the highest level and i think that comes with experience and uh, and uh, everyone is different, like I say. Um, I need uh, some stress. So sometimes, some games when I don't feel uh, stressed, or I don't feel that that little thing uh, that you should feel on game day, I try to add it uh, to to myself, to my game, to yeah. the dressing room, because I, I don't feel it, you know, and I need to feel something uh, before the game. So 
Yeah. So I'm I'm up for it. Yeah. So is that that's something that you can internalize? I mean, does it? How does it work if you're looking around the dressing room? Because obviously, you know, if you're somebody who needs a bit of stress, there are other players who are just completely and utterly relaxed yeah. before they yeah, go yeah. out. Yeah. Like, who would be? You can hear me shout before yeah. the game, and everyone else is looking at around <laughs> and thinking, "What what is he on?" You know, and this is just me. I need to feel that. Uh, the the at, something in the atmosphere and you know yeah. people are used to it i guess when they play with me quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How, uh, how difficult was it when... Uh, it came to the final and you'd been part of that run. Saul Campbell had been out injured. Ashley Cole had been out injured. In hindsight, how do you look back at that decision that Arsene Wenger made to bring back Saul, to bring back Ashley Cole uh, for the final against uh, Barcelona in Paris? I mean, it must have been well, hugely disappointing to be left out, but was there? did you understand it? How what did- happened is that we played against Spurs a few weeks before um, at Highbury. And I hurt my knee. I hurt my uh, knee ligament. Okay. And I did everything. I battled to to be back in the squad for the final. Um, I couldn't play the the return leg in Villarreal, so I, I played the first leg. Then we played Spurs. Then I missed the the second leg, and I couldn't walk for a week or ten days. And I tried everything. I took anti-inflammatories. I, I said just do anything i need to be ready for the final yeah. once i knew we were in the final I, I did everything to to be in the final i don't think i could kick a ball with my right foot because my <laughs> ligament wasn't wasn't very like it was hurting but i did everything to be in, in that final and uh, thankfully i made the the bench and uh, on the day i was ready to to play but you know um i of course i understand the decision i wish i played but um, but I had not played for for a couple of weeks or two three weeks before, and I only had a few days training. So yeah. you know, uh, I understand as well the the decision. Sure. And Sol scored the the goal. You know, sometimes yeah. it happens. You can say something <laughs> if the player doesn't do well, but if he scores <laughs> the goal, you you just uh, sit and yeah and and watch. You know. Sure, sure. And you went on to the World Cup. Yeah. Then was the was the knee injury a problem yeah. in the World Cup as well? I mean, you scored, no, didn't no. you? No, I, I was ready for the final. I, I was ready. I was fit, but uh, yeah. Uh, I had not played before, so I understand, you know, playing in a final yeah. after not having played for a few weeks, I understand. I understood the decision. Um, the manager explained it as well. And, uh, you know, it 
you know, I'm, I made the job uh, professional, uh, as professional as I could. And of course, I was disappointed um, not to have played. And But I was most disappointed that we didn't win. And yeah. I think uh, the, the team was more important than... Sure, sure. No, yeah. I, I understand. And then in the World Cup, it was it was fine. It was uh, it was great, great experience for me. Really, probably the the best memories that I have in in the World Cup were in that World Cup. And uh, yeah, and yeah, close to um, home, of course. Went, so yeah, know, very close to home, which made it even more special. I mean, we we were getting to the games, and there was the, the streets were full of uh, red. Uh, of red everywhere. Yeah. And Swiss fans were every everywhere, and uh, it was amazing, an amazing experience. We played against Togo in the second game in Dortmund, and I, what I remember is the red wall. Normally, that wall is yellow and black, but the stadium was maybe 80% full of uh, Swiss fans. And I think that day we beat the record of uh, attendance because we don't have a, a stadium. The the biggest stadium is forty thousand in Switzerland. Right, forty thousand people, and that day there was I don't know seventy, eighty thousand Swiss fans in that stadium. So in modern day football, that was the a record of attendance. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, the the next season at Arsenal, things didn't probably go as well as you you would have liked. You know, I think it's normal for for players to have ups and downs and peaks and troughs in their career. But how did you feel during that season? Because I think there were a couple of red cards uh, along yeah. the way. I think at least one of them was absolutely ridiculous. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been against Middlesbrough. Was that from the my one? way or from the... <laughs> no, no, I mean ridiculous. It was never a red card. That's all I mean. The referee was ridiculous, not you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when, when things start going not as well as you would like or when things start going wrong, how difficult is it to, to come to terms with that? I mean, how... Uh, because a manager, of course, is under pressure to produce results for his football team and for the football club. And if a player is yeah. out of form, it becomes more difficult to, to bring him back in. How did you cope with that? I mean, it must have been a difficult period in your career. Yeah, I mean, when when things when you're not performing as well as you know you should, uh, of course, it's difficult. And, uh, you know, what, one thing that I might say, you know, I always tried my best. I always tried to to give 100% and worked uh, as hard, even harder than, than anyone else. Because I know uh, I might not have been the most talented, but I, I was putting the work in and I was ready for every time I was called upon. So um, that's one thing. And and um, yeah, when things don't go uh, your way, you try to, to work, uh, continue to work hard and, and to be ready for the next time you get a chance. And it is difficult when you don't play regularly or you don't get a, a run of games and then all of a sudden you get thrown in for a, a tough game and then you don't play for another few games and then you play. It's not a criticism. It's yeah. just it's just showing, you know, the other aspect. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's not having very good games. But the run of games, that's what always uh, I always needed few games to, to get into the rhythm. And once you get that rhythm, you know you can build on, on, on performances. If you don't get a, a rhythm, and that's for everyone, huh? yeah. um, it's difficult to build on a performance if you haven't had a, a game before. Especially as a centre-back defender, where you don't really come into games. Uh, it's not like a striker or midfielder or even right or left-back. Um, 
you don't really come into games in the last part of the games or, or whatever. So it, it's always harder to, to get minutes. You, it's either you play from start or you don't play. Yeah. So uh, it, it's not an excuse. Uh, no, I'm no. just explaining the, the, the re- situation. Yeah, it's the reality and, uh, of it, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean. it, is, it is tough times, um, of course, when things don't go well, because I know I, I can produce, uh, I could produce um, much better. And uh, and there is competition in the team, you know. Uh, other players play as well, um, <clears throat> and they earn their place. So, uh, so you know, the good competition that's what makes you better. And I think I learned a lot in the times where where things weren't going as well as they should have. Mm. What what does a manager do? with you specifically in a situation like that? I mean, does he just expect you to get on with it and to to work hard and to perform when you're given the chance? Or is yeah. there... I mean, you were still really quite young at that point. You know, you're only, what, 22 years of age? Yeah. You know, yeah, and I it's, mean, it's young. It it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's young in the life of a centre-half, isn't it? Because we can still... Um, you know, there's so much uh, about that position that's about experience and about playing games and about being able to read the game and everything else. So at 22, you're you're still learning, despite the fact you've been playing since you were you were 16. What was Arsene Wenger's way of 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 dealing with you at that period of time? No, always great, uh, always great. Um, I was very grateful of the chances that he gave me and the conversations we always had. You know, always supporting, always. Um, understanding where I was coming from and and the positions of every single player, and I think the best a manager can do is is do this to see where players are coming from and and what situations they're in. And me, I, I was still learning, you know. And like you say, I've played a lot of games. I played here and there, but I was still learning, still learning the trade, uh, still getting uh, used to. Um, you know, being around the, the place and, and competing uh, on, on a daily basis. So, yeah, when things don't go your way, you're trying to, you know, stay and work hard and trying to focus on, on what you can, uh, con- when you can um, touch and, and yeah. do. And and that's that's what I tried to do. But, uh, yeah, what was the manager the, was yeah. great. What was the thinking behind the the loan move to Milan in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine? Was it a case that this was like a precursor to a permanent move, or was it uh, when you went out there, it was like, okay, well, go play in Serie A, you know, experience this different kind of football, work with some amazing players at that period uh, yeah. for Milan. Paolo Maldini was still there. Uh, Gattuso, Nesta, Zambrotta, and amazing defensive players along with Kaká, Pirlo. Um, what was the what was the club's thinking when you had discussions with them about this move? Was it, okay, go, maybe, you know, come back then and, and build on that? Or, or was mm-hmm. it something different? So in, the, in that summer, we signed uh, Thomas Vermalen. Uh, who was going to be a starter for sure? Yeah, I mean he was he was very impressive in preseason. He'd had a, a very good season before, um, and he was very good. I mean he was gonna he was gonna play for sure at uh, left centre back, and I was usually used as a left centre back um, at Arsenal. So I I could see kind of things that were gonna happen, and and with the season before that wasn't. Uh, my best season I thought okay they've signed a new center back I kind of understood you know the situation without anyone explaining yeah and then um, after preseason 
um, I'm sitting at home and and I remember the the league was going to start in in a few weeks and um, and all of a sudden I get a phone call from um, Matteo Flamini and he says, "Look, uh, we're sitting here at the table in Milan, um, and uh, they're asking me if you would be interested uh, so, to come to Milan." Matteo Flamini. <laughs> Yeah, know, we just moved yeah, there yeah. after preseason, and we played uh, uh, AC Milan in the Champions League the year before. Yeah, and apparently they've asked him, "Look, um, there's this centre back, whatever. What do, what do you think of him? Because we need a centre back here this year." And he said, "Yeah, well, let me call him." So he called <laughs> me and he asked me, and and I said, "Look, um, I'm here on the contract. Obviously, I'm not going to say anything stupid now, but." Uh, let me talk and and see what what can what can happen you know at that time i'm thinking okay i'm not going to play much at arsenal mm. i've got a chance to maybe go to ac milan uh, you know i have to put everything on the table and see what uh, what my options can be of of course me my goal was to stay at arsenal play at arsenal and um, and you know play as long as possible in in that fantastic club yeah, and for uh, Arsene Wenger. So I go the next day and I speak to to the manager with my agent and etc. And uh, and then in the end we come to the conclusion that it might be the best option for me to to go to Milan and and yeah, like you said, experience the 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 atmosphere to be there with the great champions, learn and. Um, and see what can happen, you know, either stay there or uh, come back with a, a bag full of experience, you know. Yeah. So that, that was the goal kind of thing for me in my head, going there, learning, playing as many games as possible and and maybe come back to Arsenal and, and do well at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I got the chance. I went there and for me it was amazing. A striking day, the first day, um, two players were leaving. Um, Brocky and uh, Odo and um, they were crying the guys were crying because they were leaving the club and the people were getting a, in a circle and you know embracing them and and kissing and all sorts of uh, Italian things <laughs> that they, whatever they do and uh, the guys were crying I mean I was I was shocked I just came from Arsenal to Milan I don't remember anyone crying back back home, you know. <laughs> and I get there, the guys weren't even going to bad places. I mean, Odo was going to uh, Bayern Munich, and uh, Brocky was going to Lazio, right. you know. And and that was for me a shock. I thought, okay, I come to a family here. This is this is not even a football team, you know. This is a family. Guys don't want to leave. They they die to stay here in this place. And that was the first day. You know, wow! They made me feel part of of this group, and and I learned a lot. I learned a lot uh, during that year how to work, how to behave um, in a place uh, like this, how to live in in uh, in these conditions because they're under pressure every single day to win. Uh, of course, at Arsenal you are as well, but yeah. you're a bit more secluded in a way. In Italy, you live. Everyone breathes, lives football, and. And um, it's a constant thing to win. You have to win. You have to 
to play there, you have to win every single game. And it's the same at Arsenal, really, but you don't feel it as much. Yeah, I, I mean, the, 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 there's a bit more access, isn't there, for fans in Italy to express yeah, I their... Yeah, there was 100 uh, fans every single day outside of the training ground. So there was a little road leading up to the gates. Yeah. And you had to open your window a little bit, but people were just jumping on your car before you, you get to the training ground. And that was me. Imagine when the other lads were yeah. <laughs> were driving past. <laughs> so uh, no, it, it was a great experience. Uh, I I loved my time there. Um, I experienced something different that uh, I think when you're in England or in, in well, definitely not in Switzerland, but in countries like this, uh, you you experience something different. And that was yeah. for me a, a, a big eye opener. How much have injuries had an impact on your career? Because I think you went, you had a loan move to Everton and you only played a couple of games for them. And I think you signed for Fulham and you had a bad injury fairly soon after joining them, an Achilles tendon injury. You know, at that point of your career, when you've come back from Milan and you've, as you said, learned an awful lot, you're 24, heading on 25, you know, into what you would hope will be the peak years of your career. Does it hamper your confidence, your physical ability? Um, how how much of a an impact do you think they've had on your career down uh, down the years? Well, it, it affects every every player. I mean, injuries affect every single player. It affects some players more. And I think uh, when I was younger, until that time, until the Milan time, I think. Uh, it used to beat me up a lot uh, to get injured, to get hurt. It used to break my rhythm, um, and I used to beat myself up for uh, for the injuries uh, and and be very hard on myself and stuff. But I think uh, afterwards I kind of learned to accept that okay, I'm a player who might get injured more than uh, the average, and um, and I accepted that in a way. Uh, it's been very hard. Of course, it's been very hard. Um, uh, I won't lie to you. You know, to be injured is is the worst thing that a player uh, can experience, and and I hate not being out there with the team, and I hate not being able to train because I love what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. So yeah, it has it has had a, a massive impact on on my career, on my development, on on what I what I could do, but it does this to uh, every single player. You know, every player gets uh, gets injuries, and there's no excuse of on why you're here or you're there. I think everyone in the end gets to where uh, they should uh, be, and and you get uh, what what you're worth. You know, so um, uh, you, I, I mean, was lucky enough to to experience these things, and yeah. and uh, the bad moments uh, were were learning experiences. Yeah. You know? So it was great. Um, I'm glad that I went through these bad moments to appreciate even more what I do on, on a daily basis. Sure. That's, that's for sure. I mean, yeah. you could. I mean, the, you could look back and say, uh, you can see perhaps for certain players where they get a break along the way and it has a massively positive effect on their careers. Yeah. Other times, I mean, you, you're 33 now, so you know, are you able to look back without? regrets are you able to sort of say okay i am where i am and i'm you know happy yeah. doing what i'm doing you know it's i suppose it's impossible really to uh you get too down in the dumps maybe if you think about what might have been rather than what actually is 
No, but what might have been it is not uh, is not the truth. Uh, yeah. It's what what is. You know, I'm I'm forever grateful f- uh, to God to whoever people believe that everything that happened uh, is uh, it's been the best that was wished for me. You know, so yeah. uh, um, I'm forever grateful of the life that I live um, that I've been able to live from my passion all these years and I continue to, to do it. And, and thankfully, you know, um, it, it's been great. I yeah. mean, I love, I love my career. I love what I've done in my career and I've played for amazing teams and, and I continue to play, uh, uh, here in the MLS and, you know, I love, I love what I do. The, the important thing also, my son can see me play and, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's a, a great gift that, that I have. And I, I want to continue, uh, for him. Sure. So For my um, family. Yeah. So uh, did you or have you um, given you are 33 and perhaps into the uh, the final stages of your playing career? Have you given any thought to what comes next and what you might want to do? I mean, do you want to stay in football? Is coaching or management something yeah. that you feel like you might want to do? Yeah, I do think about what what I want to do uh, in the future because. Um, because it's a big part of the rest of my life, you yeah. know. So I, I've always, uh, I was always aware of, uh, of the outside world, you know. I just speak to my friends, and I know they have real problems. You know, me being injured is not. It's a real problem in my world, but wasn't really a real problem in in uh, in ninety nine percent of people's yeah. uh, problems. So, yeah. um, for this, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I was always aware of, of what's what was outside and. And after my career, yeah, I, I do love what I do. You know, I love football and I, lo- I would love to stay in football. Coaching might be an option and being part of a football club uh, would be an option as well in other ways than, than coaching. Mm. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'd like to be stay in football, but, uh, you know, still, still early. I still yeah. like to concentrate on, on, playing. On, uh, on playing as many years as possible. Sure. And we'll see what what happens. Yeah. Just a final question um, yeah. for for our listeners. I mean, you've played for Milan, you've played for Fulham, Valencia, Aston Villa, Grasshoppers, Rangers, but I think people will always associate you with Arsenal. What's your connection? How do you still feel a real connection to Arsenal, given you came at a yeah. young age and you know? Yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan. I mean, my son. I try to show him we're Arsenal fans. Uh, this <laughs> this is our team, and uh, I love Arsenal. Uh, you know, I don't need to shout it on on, on every house, but uh, yeah. this is uh, where I have the most connections, and uh, and my time that I enjoyed the most. You know, and what has given me the most as a person, as a player, is probably uh, is probably Arsenal. So, um, yeah, I'm forever grateful first to Arsene Wenger and and Arsenal Football Club and. And then I'm a I'm a big fan, so I'm I've, I'm following the team uh, every every time they play, and uh, and uh, very finally, then are you excited about what yeah. appears to be a new era uh, with Unai Emery? Um, it's it's a big change. There are changes happening all over the club, of course. Freddie Jumberg, Per Mertesacker yes. at academy level, all these kind of things are happening. Uh, are you excited for the new season when it when it comes around? Yeah, I was a bit. Uh, Sad, of course, to see things change, but sometimes changes uh, can bring good also. So we will see what the future holds. But uh, 
yeah, I am excited for the new season because I would I would like to see what uh, what will change and how uh, will Arsenal change. Um, and I, I know a little bit of uh, Unai Emery because I've played against his teams uh, in the past when he was at Sevilla. Yeah. And I know of him because he was at Valencia before I, I came. And uh, I know how he wants to play. So that that's uh, exciting as well. And, and we've got um, a Swiss defender in the squad again. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's amazing for him. I, I'm really, really happy for him. Uh, he's a great professional. He's like a train, honestly. He's yeah. a, he goes up and down that line a uh, hundred times per <laughs> game, and he's 34 years old. So now he's a, he's an amazing professional, and that's credit to him. I mean, he's always been um, very serious, very very professional. I mean, it's a word that we use a lot, but uh, he's uh, he's very he's very much of an example for. For a lot of uh, young players, I think so. Yeah. It's great to for him to come at that age to the Premier League. It's great, especially coming after I don't know, 17 titles with uh, <laughs> Juventus. Uh, it's it's an amazing uh, achievement for him. He will certainly uh, bring some experience of winning uh, to to Arsenal, and hopefully he can uh, he can uh, bring some of that to, to next season. But uh, Philippe, uh, thank you very much indeed for your time. Really, really appreciate it. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you, Andrew. Good luck. So there you go. That was me and Philippe Senderos. Thank you very much indeed to Philippe for giving me his time. I really appreciate it. And to Danny Carbassian, who was kind of the go-between, who helped facilitate that interview. So thank you very much indeed, Danny. I hope you enjoyed it. I think Philippe was very honest and open, very sanguine about his life and times at Arsenal and his career in general. I hope he has a great time out in MLS. Keep scoring those goals and uh, we'll see where he is in a few years' time if he continues his career after his playing days uh, as a coach or maybe a manager. Who knows? We shall see. Remember, you could have listened to this first weeks ago by being an Arsblog member on Patreon. Sign up for a fiver a month at patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. If that's not your bag, that's okay. Maybe you could give the show a rating or a review on iTunes. That would be fantastic. Also, until the Arscast on Friday, take it easy. Have a good one. Cheers. Bye-bye. It's only going to be audio? Yeah, it's only audio because the um, the sound quality works better f- uh, without video. Sometimes the video can interfere with the uh, the sound quality. So if it's no problem... Uh, no, I did my hair and makeup and everything. Oh, and my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, maybe another time we can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 